What's up, everybody? A little bit different lead into the podcast today because, well, believe it or not, Nebraska added another player. <laughs> we recorded a podcast. We were ready to submit that pod- podcast and publish it. And right before uh, we concluded, it was announced that Samari Curtis, a 6'4 guard from Ohio, uh, a 2019 prospect who had originally committed to Cincinnati, has now committed to Nebraska. So we didn't talk about Curtis on the podcast. We're still going to let you listen to what we recorded beforehand, but we wanted to at least preemptively let you know that, hey, Nebraska has added another player. Now, that does complicate things a little bit because the Huskers, with this addition of Curtis, are now at 14 uh, players on scholarship set for next year. Uh, The limit is 13. Isaiah Roby is the wild card in this mix because he could decide to turn pro and then roster sorts itself out. There's no questions or concerns about who is going to be a part of this team next year. But if Isaiah Roby were to decide to return to school, well then at some point Nebraska would have to decide that someone would have to go. Um, There's no indication as to who that might be. There's no indication as to whether or not Isaiah Roby is going to return to school or go pro at this point. It's still a fluid situation. But just so you're informed, Nebraska has added another player, Samari Curtis from Ohio. With that, I'll let you listen to the rest of the podcast where Chris and I dive into a lot of different fun topics in regard to Nebraska basketball and Creighton basketball. We hope you enjoy it. Welcome in to another episode of the Half Court Press Podcast. I'm John Niatawa. He's Chris Hetty. Um, and I think it's done. It's done. Nebraska's roster. Pretty much. They're the, pretty, they've, 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 I mean, barring Isaiah Roby. The great April slash May project of 2019. Yeah. The reconstruction <laughs> of a program. What was it? Um, what was it called right after the Civil War? Yeah. Uh, well, Reconstruction. Wasn't it Reconstruction? Yeah, Reconstruction. Yeah, yeah that's basically what it was. <laughs> I was a history major. It took me that long to think of the word Reconstruction. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know what that says about your degree, degree and yeah. how applicable it is. Or... Yeah, it's a, fa- it's a fantastic point. Yeah, no, but they have, they for the first time since Tim Miles was fired, have 13 people on scholarship. Mm-hmm. For now. For now. For now. For uh, now. That's right, a good point. Because Isaiah Roby is, um, uh, he'll go through the draft process actually this week. So we're recording this on Wednesday, May 15th. The combine officially begins, is it today or tomorrow? So technically it's tomorrow. I think okay. today they do interviews mm. and, and like. Which they, is important, by the way. Get, yeah. Key. And Isaiah would be pretty good at those. Mm-hmm. Um, but you get measured and you kind of do all of these things. Yeah. And tomorrow is when workouts start. So today was the announcement of there were guys that aren't going to play five on five and, you know, divas are going to do what divas are going to do. Uh, I think Isaiah will play five on five, whatever. Um, well, some of those guys actually have to because they, if, if you had the option of whether or not you could play in a pickup game with zero structure right, uh, or not in, with a 24-second clock and, you know, a ton of scouts watching you or not do that, I think you would say no. So they actually do require 
the bottom tier people mm-hmm. that get combine invites to that actually you play. Have to play. Well, Roby's probably one of them. So yeah. that's why like Carson Edwards isn't playing five on five. He's gotten he's gotten to the point Zion where he's yeah right. No, yeah. none of the top anyone who's projected top twenty would would not play. Kyrie Thomas last year, did he? Um, he was initially projected to be a guy who was going to have to play, but then once. Um, Certain players pulled out of the combine, then they added more players in. I think he rose above that level mm-hmm. to where they didn't need to see him. But as it turns out, I mean, because Kyrie was a going in was projected to go anywhere from twenty to forty, and he slipped all the way down to thirty eight. So he's on the lower end of end, end of his range. Mm-hmm. It might have been good for him to play in that because in a yeah. pickup setting, what Kyrie does really well is he just defends. His butt off. See, yeah, I go back and forth on whether or not that's a good thing for Isaiah. Yeah, what do you think? My first, my first reaction is like Isaiah is going to try and get everybody involved. Mm, yeah, and you he, don't need to do that. You just right. kind of got to get your. I think just of, do what you do. Right. I think of I, I, what I think of in that top of my head is Isaiah with like James, Glenn, and and Isaac. Isaiah for the first like month and a half of the year was just like, well, I'm just going to get y'all in, involved, mm. and I'll be here if you need me. Maybe or, maybe the mindset changes a little yeah, bit. Yeah, or they're like, hey, or Isaiah, you know, turns into Jimmy Butler for like five minutes because sometimes he does that. Yeah, yeah. Um, He'll have that um, athleticism. Yeah. And, you know, like is, I'm sure he's in great shape. He's ready for yeah. this. So I think when it, people it see could him, accentuate his skills in yeah. a setting like that where yeah. there isn't a lot of structure right. and he's just kind of going one-on-one with a guy. Yeah. Maybe that yeah. is to his benefit. I, I feel like what your draft stock is going into the combine for the most from for the most part i would say like at least from my estimation when i've covered this the last 2 years it seems like 80 85% of the guys it's the same when you come in and when you come out you yeah. you are what you are yeah. already teams know that it doesn't change but for a few players i think of uh Dante DiVincenzo and a Kevin Herter last year Kevin Herter from Maryland uh DiVincenzo from Nova who came into the combine unsure if they were going to stay or go and then as soon as they got they left chicago it was like you're a surefire first round pick you're going yeah and so for some guys that can do that it's other guys it's like oh man he's not ready right and and um you might want to wait right uh, but, the, but the other thing too is so there's 66 kids that are going and there's 60 spots right 60 draft spots right and so and that's not even counting if you say 66 are going Plus, all of the and I don't have a list in front of me, but well, I was gonna say there's a ton of players who like the Zion's, like the uh, um, there's the whole crew from Gonzaga. I think is not going. Hmm. You know, there's that those top tier players that aren't. They're not. Maybe they go, they participate in interviews, but that's it. Like they're not going through drills and all that kind of stuff. So I don't know if they're part of that 66 or not. Yeah, but typically you would have a handful of top ten draft prospects maybe three or four who don't even show up to chicago yeah and so you add those to the list so yeah right right. what you're essentially saying is that all of the draft picks or that there are players in chicago right now who are going to compete in the combine who are not going to get drafted right right and i think that that it's interesting too because you can help yourself because you play well against all these other kids but what if you don't play very well there's also like execs who are in love with you anyway could just be like well i mean he's playing against all these dudes and he was doing his own thing so Mm -hmm. i don't know i i still maintain that there are a couple 
uh, there are a couple franchises who really like Isaiah, and uh, I think he. I don't think that one year from now his draft stock will be higher than it is you currently. I don't. With a year in, in... I, I, my, my thought is like I, I don't. The draft class this year is not great. Mm-hmm. I agree with that. And yeah. I, and I think that if anything, it's a, it's a huge risk to come back for him in some ways because you could get hurt, you could like take a while and not really fit in the system if you're if it takes a little bit Mm -hmm. maybe maybe he comes back and he's great and he's george niang or he's whatever and he does really well even if he has a better year next year what if the draft class is super good and he barely even gets an nba combine invite again and then you're in the same spot a year later and i think that there is definitely something to be said too of like there's really no anybody coming back like he doesn't know he's never played with these guys he's only played with thor (laughs) And he hardly played with Thor. Yeah. And he's played against Deshaun Burke a lot in practice, but he doesn't really know Deshaun. And so I new, think there's some of that going new on. New teammates, too. new coaches, new everything. Exactly. Come back and, to it. Well, if you're gonna if you're gonna start fresh, basically, why not do it in the NBA in the NBA and with get paid a, to do it. Right, and get yeah. paid. That that makes sense. I, I I you know, part of me as you were talking, I I, I think I agree with you. I, I, initially I was like, eh, I don't know, maybe he can help himself, but his stock right now is at is at its highest, and that's largely because there is so much untapped potential. Yeah, and I feel like NBA execs. Uh, this might be a flaw of theirs, yeah, and probably is. But they, a lot of times, value the potential more than the sure thing. Absolutely. So the idea of I had a draft analyst explain this to me once because Justin Patton, you know, he was a redshirt freshman who burst onto the scene, had one great year in college, and then mm-hmm. suddenly he was a potential lottery pick. And I'm just like, how? There's you can see you can see the obvious flaws, but what is what is the uh um you know what's the draw here? And the way he explained it to me is just the 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 NBA execs are thinking three years ahead. Yeah. So they're they're not thinking about who you are right now. They're thinking about what are you going to be when you're 24 mm-hmm. for Roby? In three years, he's going to be 24. What mm-hmm. what kind of player is he then? Um, with Justin Patton, it was what kind of player is he going to be at age 22? Yeah. That's what we're drafting for. We're yeah. not drafting for what he is now. And and that is kind of hard to wrap your mind around, especially when you see guys that, um, you know, you, you've, you've watched them play for two or three years in college and you think you have a pretty good handle on who they are and what type of player they are. But yeah. the NBA, their version of what they think that that player can be can be it, a lot of times it was totally different than yeah. maybe what they've shown so far. Well, the thing too I keep thinking of is, you know, the whole narrative around Isaiah for forever was like he isn't how good he is, which is another way of saying like he's got all this potential, he's yes. got room to grow. If he comes back, you're gonna and he plays for another year, you're gonna know how good Isaiah is. So like almost in a way it hurts him because then you can't draft off potential. He's a year older, mm-hmm. you know. It's just I think there are a lot of reasons why he he will probably stay. We'll see. I mean. You never know. Right. Um, it's nothing's a sure thing until um, it actually happens. So we'll see. I mean, I think that if he returns, two things. One, and this is kind of a segue into Nebraska's roster if you wanted to go into that. Yeah, we can. But one, if he does return, uh, Nebraska's starting five looks really good. Um, if he doesn't, they've got all these guys they've recently recruited that are like kind of a similar body type than, than Isaiah, and they're kind of preparing in case he doesn't. Like I don't. I think if Isaiah come decides to stay in the NBA draft, I don't know that. I don't think the roster is like missing this gaping giant hole. I think that there they'd, there'd be a hole, 
because that he's such a good player. But I don't think it's be like, oh, well, they have no way they can replace Isaiah. They've got they've the last five guys that they've committed, I believe, the last five or six eight or six nine. Hmm. So like they, I think, kind of see some. So Nebraska random. made it a point. The coaching staff. I just I, this idea of okay, Hoiberg gets a job. He brings on. Uh, Abdul Massey and you know gets his staff in order and then he's like okay now we got to fix this roster we got to get the roster to the point where we feel comfortable with it I would imagine that at some point they decided to say they said okay if Roby leaves we need to have sort of a contingency plan so let's recruit that type of player what else do you think that they said day one this is what we need because when you look at all the names of the players and all the all, like all the additions that Nebraska's, uh, all the guys I brought in, I mean, I, I, for me, it's it, it's almost it feels hard to kind of sort. I mean, I'm sure in their mind, it's there's it's nothing chaotic about it. Yeah. But from the outside looking in, you're just like, oh my gosh, another guy, another yeah. guy, another who, who, where did you find him? How? Yeah. What is? How does he fit? I put out it's a, just like a jumbled yeah. mess. That I see a puzzle that is not put together at all. How did they? How do you? So I put out a tweet, um, I don't know, maybe like three weeks ago. And it was like, maybe two weeks ago. And it was like, here's who's on the roster right now. And I got a text from somebody and they're like, it's going to look dramatically different in like two or three weeks. And I was like, I bet you you're right. But I didn't think it'd be this dramatic, Mm -hmm. right? Um, What I see is they basically replaced people with taller, thicker scorers. They want tall. They want tall shooters. They want scorers, and you can do a million little tangible, intangible things that are great. You can be a good defender. You know, you can be. You know, you can do all these little things. But if you can't score and you've not shown the ability to score, uh, then you're not going to play. So basically, they they said, okay, you know, Brady Hyman, you know, you don't really fit here. You're six eleven, not two hundred something pounds. They replace him with 6'9", 260. So they want thick down on the paint, right? They say, okay, Amir Harris, we can't, you know, we don't really see you here. And they replace, you know, Amir Harris with Shamil Stevenson, who's 6'6", same height as, as Amir, but 240. And they've got, you know, Hanif Cheatham, 6'5", 195. You know, you've got, it, they basically, Kevin Cross, 6'8", 240. Mm. Like, they basically just said, we're going to, beef up this roster in terms of getting bigger but guys that can score um so i think and we talked about this a little bit i think the the general plan was all right let's get all our guards and after we figure out all of our guards let's go big and so they made sure gervais green was on they went and got cam mack like deshaun burke like you look at those three and i seriously you're like okay those are my ones and twos all year no matter what if one guy has an attitude problem at some point, we'll replace him with another one. It's just kind of a, it's going to be a carousel of those three. All three can score. All three can facilitate. We're totally fine there. And so after that, um, it was, okay, let's go get some wings. Get a hand of Cheatham. Get, you know, Matej Kavas, who's a shooter. They got that all set up. And then it was like, all right, looking like Isaiah is really looking at the NBA. We need some big guys anyway. Let's go get them. I mean, like two weeks ago, we were talking about like, oh my gosh, Nebraska doesn't, like there was a point when they had, Isaiah Roby, Matej Kavas, and, Del- and Delano Banton, they were, they were their tallest guys, right? And so all three of them are 6'8". The problem was Roby is in the NBA draft. You don't know if he's coming back. 
Kavas is a shooter. He's not going to bang around in the lane. And Delano Banton has to sit out. So it was like, well, what are they going to do mm. down low? And then they go get Kevin Cross. Excuse me. First they go get Ivan. Udrago, I think is how you pronounce his last name. Um, 6'9", 260, giant dude. I mean, just he's going to be your big guy. And then they supplement that with Kevin Cross. And so now not only do you have options, you've got a lot of options. And so now if Roby comes back, you've got yet another 6'8 guy. Now you've got some real – you've got some meat. Yeah. And if he and if Roby doesn't, and he then you have, I think, an opening where – they could go get another scorer immediately. They could go get a point guard that they want a red shirt. They could go get another big guy that could play. Like they, they have, they don't have any giant holes in the roster, but they can place a new guy anywhere they want. Really, um, it's interesting. By the way, I, what you said really struck me about the type of player they're trying to get, or the type of athlete, the mm-hmm. type of body mm-hmm. that they've tried to um, bring in, which is different than what they had pre. What like what the roster brought back, mm-hmm. you know, you think of an Amir Harris or a Hyman or um, Carrington Davis, the players that have left, um, Thomas Allen, mm-hmm. like, those are fine players. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they have flaws, but they also have that, you can see sort of a potential, if they're in a program for two years, maybe they can develop into something. But I think that, I'm guessing that the coaches, Nebraska's coaches thought, well, Sure, maybe we can develop them into something over the over the course of their careers, but we that that final piece, although productive, doesn't fit into the profile of what we envision for a wing mm-hmm. or a big man mm-hmm. or whatever. You know, like I just I think that um, I am surprised, kind of like you, that they decided to just really start from scratch and just say, "Now we're going to make sure that we get this whole roster full of guys that fill of." full of guys that we think fit our vision um, because again some of those players I think had potential to to be contributors at this level yeah. but um, I think part of I, get, I, I, I guess I get it yeah. I understand where they're coming from though. I think the best way to put it is they they sat down and decided instead of making this guy fit us in two years we're gonna get a guy that fits us now so that way we're not spending our time working on this guy to to make him what we want him to be when we could just win when we have this opportunity where we can say hey you don't fit you're gone and replacing someone that isn't it like uh to make a football analogy is like tommy armstrong running the system that mike riley was running yeah you know like they don't want to do that it's a waste of a season right they they tried it to fit it to him yeah even though he didn't fit the system and the system didn't fit him they tried to meld it and make it work and it didn't work yeah so you you don't don't do that you just yeah that's or that's the idea behind it and it's yeah. a little cruel it sure is, but sometimes this sport is cruel yeah to the players and, involved. and, and i also i still maintain you know it's kind of cruel but i think in five months the kids who maybe they'll be better told, off will be better off yeah and i think that you know i i've reported a lot about fred in the last couple of weeks and he doesn't enjoy this. He doesn't enjoy sitting down with kids being like, hey. And it's, it doesn't come from a, you know, what Brady Hyman had told us of, like, he told us, he told me not to come back. It wasn't that harsh. It was, hey, we don't want you to sit on our bench and waste a year of eligibility. He, the, what's better for you is to go somewhere else. Mm. It's also better for us. Here's what we can do for you. Here's what we can. I mean, they didn't just, you know, basically say, like, you're out, son. You know, pack up your crap. It you're was, gone. They, you know? they were more diplomatic with it, but essentially, sure. it was the same thing. Sure, you know, yeah, like yeah. I, I, I do. I think 
I'm sure that they weren't as blunt with it, but yeah. Uh, but still, the fact but, that it still happened. Yeah, yeah. He's gone, and he could have. I mean, there's a. Some coaches may have decided, hey, we'll try to make it work, mm-hmm. which is not what they decided to do. And I like, I, I, I don't know. I think that there's value in that. And yeah, it's it's interesting. It's almost like a you would think that, like the way that Hoiberg is treating. Hoiberg and his staff are, are treating the roster. You would think that there's like a pressure to win right away, right away. Which yeah. and I'm not saying they don't want to win right away, but like when Riley, Mike Riley came in, he was feeling it out, trying to feel whatever. And even when Frost came in, you know there was a lot. I mean, it's it's harder to, to I think rebuild football. But I mean, like, to make a basketball it. comparison, is Tom Crean to Georgia man? Like he yeah. flat out said at one point, like. I didn't run these guys off. I tried to make it work, and he yeah. got a lot of criticism for yes. saying that yeah. publicly because yeah. he basically said my team's trash. Right? Don't don't look at me. Yeah. Um, probably shouldn't have said that. Right. And I don't know. It's not like Tom Green's a saint or anything, but um, yeah, that there's different ways to go about it. Yeah. And I think this is I think this is a NBA a, a guy who has a lot of experience in the NBA, understanding what it takes to win and what you have to do. Yeah. And like. Yeah, he's probably not going to gain a lot of supporters for what he's doing, but at the same time, those supporters are going to be happier when they're winning rather than when they're right. losing with guys that, you know. So my only sort of criticism or maybe it's it's a question is can any of these guys play? Because mm-hmm. at this that, point that in Nebraska the year, has, yeah, th- that they added, that Nebraska yeah, yeah, added yeah. all the players that Nebraska added, you think about at this point in time of this season, I mean, there when when Hoiberg got the job to now, this yeah. is not an optimal recruiting Period. Unless you've had a guy that you're Cam Mac, they've yeah, been recruiting right. for a while. Cam right. they've been recruiting for a while, so they have a prior relationship. Uh, but a lot of times, those diamond in the roughs that you um, that you're that it appears that Nebraska's trying to find guys who are a little bit more under the radar. You know, you're not you usually don't hit on all of them. Yeah, I guess yeah, is yeah. my point well, is there's well, a lot of sort of yeah. chances being taken, and so uh, you would. I mean, I my thought was like. Well, should they be taking all of these chances? Right. Do they have to take all these chances? Yeah. But they are, so, and so we'll see if it pans out. Let, let, so I'll go through it real quick. Okay, I think Cam Mack, Cam Mack, Juve Green, those are two guys who did it in JUCO level. They're not huge chances, right? Well, yeah, they ha- and they had relationships with them. And, right, and, yeah. exactly. Um, Cheatham is a kind of a – Hannah Cheatham is kind of – a chance, not really, just because he was hurt last year at Florida Gulf Coast, but he was a top 100 guy, went to Marquette, you know. It's only one year. One, yeah, 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 um, Same with Kavis, just a year. Kavis, you, you probably know, you probably know. You know what you're going to be. He's going to be a shooter. Shoot, you can shoot. You got him as yeah. a shooter, you're fine. The rest are kind of, you're right. So you've got, the rest would be Shamel Stevenson, who, for whatever reason, didn't play under Jeff Capel for like basically the whole year, and then ended up going to Nevada, and he was pretty good as a freshman. But you wonder what was going on with his sophomore year. So he's kind of you never really know. A Cola Rope, I don't know. I I mean I and I know that a lot of people are fans of him and, and fans of you know Nebraska and Omaha and all that stuff. And I there's not, it's nothing against a Cole, but. He's been playing center the last couple of years. Right. He's been he's a, like, he's he's a he's guard be, who's been playing center. Exactly. So how does that translate? So how does he? That? And so he's like, also pretty underweight. He's one eighty, and so you need to put some some meat on. Um, Especially compared to the other guys that they exactly. brought in to play the Absolutely, same position. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Kevin Cross, I don't. <laughs> I have no clue. I mean, he, I have no idea at all. I'm not saying that he's bad, but he came out of literally nowhere. He did not have recruiting profiles three months ago. 
and all of a sudden being recruited by Oklahoma State, TCU, Nebraska, like people were really into him. Mm. And so that's one you just don't, you're not really sure. Ivan. He, had a, he, he did have a recruitment announcement video, though. He? he did, yeah, yeah. he did. So. He also, a lot of these kids did really fun things for reporters, which is they announce when they're going to announce, and then they did it before that anyway. Oh. So I'm sitting there watching a movie with my wife, and it's like, are you kidding? You were supposed to announce on 11 tomorrow. Hey, man, time, calendar, yeah, that type kidding. of stuff, management, you can't really. 18-year-olds, yeah. You know. They're on their own yeah. schedule. Uh, I, think, I think with Delano Banton and, uh, and Derek Walker, who are the guys that have to redshirt, don't worry about him yet. Yeah. I think you've got a year to develop them. Um, and then Ivan, who's the you know, 6'9", 260 French. I mean, I think he's really good, a lot of upside, but you don't you don't really know. Like, it's kind of hard to find a lot of, about him because he played internationally. And a lot of his tournaments that he played in, it was kind of back and forth. Like, there was one tournament he averaged, like, 12 points and 9 rebounds. There's other, it was, like, 4 points and 5 rebounds. And so what you can gather is he can do a lot of different things, but, like, does it translate immediately? Can mm-hmm. he play immediately? And so it's, it's the fun part of this is, like, who's going to work and who's not going to work. But it's a risk. You're right. Yeah. You're right. They have to, they're obviously, they are confident enough that they can hit on some of them. Yeah. So, um, you know, Creighton took some chances too in yeah. this recruiting cycle. Um, it put a lot of eggs in its basket to try to get uh, Tristan Nanaruna, who Creighton recruited for two years, and I thought did a really good job recruiting him, talking to his high school coach. The Jays were out there a ton. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think they did what they could. Mm-hmm. And he was under the radar when Creighton initially started the process, found him in the Netherlands. Then he comes to the U.S. and starts playing ball and sort of blows up at the end of his recruitment. And suddenly Kansas is on board. And once Kansas gets on board, it's really tough to beat Kansas <laughs> right. in a one-on-one battle. Well, I, sent, I guess it was one, uh, one-on-one-on-one because Miami was in the mix too. Tristan took an official to Miami, Creighton to Kansas, and then ultimately chose Kansas. So that was a blow. Uh, to Creighton's 2019 class because that was he was the guy who was at the top of their board for a long time, and um, you know had it, had it worked out in a different way, mm-hmm. you know maybe they could he could have stayed under the radar. But you, again, you know what for him he played it perfectly. I mean, as a kid who's from the Netherlands, mm-hmm. comes to the U.S. trying to build a profile, get a chance to s- sort of be seen. Um, to get the best opportunity possible to play ba- college basketball. That's mm-hmm. what you. That's what he came here for, right? Like he wants to play um, the best chance to get himself uh, to elevate his game to get go to the pro level. Right. And he got Kansas. Yeah, Kansas was interested, yeah, and then you- all, all offered about six months ago or so, and then mm-hmm. bam, he's he's a Jayhawk. So for Creighton, it, it stinks because yeah. <laughs> I made this comparison just before we started recording. Creighton. He was the centerpiece of its class, whereas Kansas, he's just another right. part of their. I mean, Kansas is in the mix for f- two other five stars in 2019. Right. You know, so he's right. um, he's a dude who Tristan was borderline top 100 type recruit, and then lately he's now he's around like top 50 or so, but yeah. he's risen. But so for Creighton, he was he was their prize sort of target. Yeah. Whereas Kansas, he's just. A dime a dozen. They right. get guys like him all the time. So that kind of that's a that hurts yeah, Jays yeah, fans, yeah. I think, because it's like Kansas. Come on, man. Just, <laughs> right. Yeah. Just get your just five stars. Chill. Yeah. yeah you yeah. don't have to get the guys. I who... do wonder though. I I've seen and it's, so this has only been in the last like six months, maybe maybe a year, but 
I think it helps that a lot of the NBA superstars right now didn't go to like Duke and Kansas and North Carolina, right? So you've got, you know, Steph Curry went to Davison and Clay Thompson went to Washington State. And where did Damian Lillard go? It was, was a good, small school, I, right? Uh, it's not Murray State, but it's one of it's, those. Uh, I, I always get think... it. I always get it mixed up in my head because yeah. I, I I think of, um, but it, McCollum's another guy who went C- to yeah CJ McCollum. Um, uh, uh, Kawhi Leonard went to South Dakota State. Yeah, or, excuse me, San Diego, San Diego State. State. So you've got Weber all... State. Yeah, that's right. That's I, right. I always Lillard for some reason I got a connection to him. Yeah, yeah. I got to erase that. I, I did a had a Freudian, <laughs> Freudian slip the other day. But, but I, anyway, I do yeah. wonder if there's going to be this, if, if high school recruits who, I mean, the NBA is big. A lot of people obviously watch it, especially kids in high school that play basketball. I wonder if there's going to be this push of like, all right, well, I could go to KU, just be another guy. I could go to Creighton, or I could go to, you know, Nebraska, Nebraska yeah. or I could go to, you know, wherever, and I could be the star. Mm-hmm. I could be the star there. I'll average 25 points and get drafted, you know? I think, so I wonder if that tie will turn eventually, so, and and that, and that would help Creighton a lot too because right. they have some they have some examples they can say, hey, Kyrie, Justin Patton, exactly. You know what I mean? I think that's what stings a little bit for Creighton as well is because I think what you're talking about, I think that already exists a little bit, right? Maybe yeah. it's not as firmly established. Yeah, those those obscure, semi obscure paths, yeah. the different paths to the, the NBA. It's not as it hasn't been as mainstream yet. Um, in the league, and maybe we need a couple more years of a guy like Damian Lillard t- tearing it up or Kawhi yeah. tearing it up, yeah. and then maybe perhaps. But yeah, I think that's what stings for Creighton is because Creighton does have all all the guys that had five guys on NBA rosters this year, and all those guys were under regarded, mm-hmm. like off the radar players that they developed in their system right. and turned into draft picks. And in the case of Justin and Patton and Kyrie Thomas, they were. They weren't even four-year guys, so right. they have. Here's the example: recent examples of players who weren't, didn't even stay their whole time. So, yeah. if that's what you're looking for to be a two and done or mm-hmm. uh, or a three and done, we can provide that too. And so, to lose a guy like Tristan, who um, kind of fit his skill set, he was like a six-nine guard essentially, he could put the ball on the floor and mm-hmm. hit jumpers and all this kind of stuff. Like it fit exactly what Creighton needed. They had a great plan, or they they sort of. Gave him a plan of, hey, this is who we think you can be, um, and then to lose him, that bunch. But yeah, yeah. Um, I think so. I think Creighton. Back to my point was that Creighton took some chances in this recruiting cha- uh, recruiting cycle with him, and then they added an Antoine Jones, who's like a six six wing with some thickness and um, a former top one hundred recruit who's going to sit out a year, but he'll have three years of eligibility from Memphis, who is a very intriguing developmental piece. Jalen Windham, a, a guard from Indiana who can shoot the lights out of the ball. Um, and another guy who you – oh, all right. So you bring in a guy who can shoot, and he's a freshman. That's a great place to start, right? <laughs> right Especially right. at a place like Creighton where yeah. it, if you can shoot, you get, a, you get a spot on the floor, and they'll try to work uh, around him and fit uh, put a development plan for him that fits his skill set. So Jalen Windham and then Sharif Mitchell, a local kid from Omaha who's – he told me he put on 20 pounds over the last the last year where he was at prep school. He's got more confident in his jump shot, and he's just a bulldog defensively, mm-hmm. tenacious worker. You know, he's going to bring sort of a a personality that uh, I don't know. I mean, just like this level of aggression and and 
uh, a hardworking mentality, passion. Maybe that's the best word for yeah. him. Bring some passion to the program. Even as a freshman, I think he'll make an impact that way. So, uh, but, you know, Jalen Windham, not a top 200 player. Sharif Mitchell, maybe depending on where you look, the top 150 guy or mm-hmm. something, three-star players. Um, and Antoine Jones, who was a former four-star, but didn't really play a lot at Memphis. So you have guys that not are, they didn't, you know, when they committed, it's not going to blow up Twitter right. or uh, the national guys aren't going to hey, lose this. their minds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, at a place like Creighton, because it has the majority of its roster returning, you can, you don't need that. Yeah. You, you yeah. don't need them next year. So you might as well take it, take an opportunity to see what we can build them into going forward forward is yeah. sort of the idea yeah, yeah. i think that the coaches had uh but the big piece is martin crumple is whether or not he's going to stay or go um if he goes the jays it's not the end of the world i mean they're gonna the question there will be a depth question all year at the five and um perhaps it forces creighton to make a la- uh like a late ad midsummer. i feel like this late may was the time that creighton found Manny Suarez in, the, in Division Two and mm-hmm. added him um, once Justin Patton left. And then when Kyrie Thomas went pro, Creighton added a guy in Connor Cashaw in like mid early June, I think. It's not a lot of options. The pool isn't great. It's, right. If you're talking about a, an immediate impact player, whether it's a grad transfer, Juco, or lower division, a Division Two guy or whatever, and, and some of those guys just don't pan out, mm-hmm. uh, not in the way that maybe you need them. So... I, I do think Creighton's in a decent spot with Christian Bishop and Jacob Epperson, assuming Jake. I mean, it's a big question if he is healthy. Um, he's going to spend all summer sort of getting himself back to 100%. But if those two guys are healthy, that's a nice that's a nice tandem at the five. And you, mm-hmm. can, you, can, uh, you can survive with a little bit of luck um, because you obviously need them to develop, to develop and you need them to stay healthy. But if Martin comes back, then we're talking about a team that, that really does – you can project with more certainty that, oh, yeah, they're a top 25, right. top 30 type team. Yeah. And uh, I think in a similar way with Roby, too. It's like the same, uh, in a, in a, it's almost the same situation where I think if, if Martin comes back, you know Creighton's going to be, you know, legit. What, you have a better idea of what they're going to be. But if he doesn't come back, I don't think that they're going to, like, everything is lost, but they're, it's just going to be a little more questions. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yep. That's, that, and that's right. So we'll see what Martin does. He didn't get a combine invite, but, um, you know, there, there's opportunities in the next two weeks. He has till May 29th. So, yeah, the next two weeks to see if he can get some workouts with some NBA teams um, to get a look that way, to potentially, um, you know, broadcast his name overseas to see what kind of options he has available on, on that route as well. Um, he's, I just, this, today's Wednesday, just hung out with him for a little bit in the morning. Walk, watching him do a workout, he was doing a lot of sort of uh, shooting on the on the move type things, setting a screen, pick and pop in uh, things that maybe he didn't do as uh, as consistently in this offense with Creighton. You know, a lot of his jump, he shot a lot of threes, and he shot thirty eight percent, I think, in Big East play, but a lot of set shots. Yeah. So he wants to kind of imp- take his game to the next level where he's shooting a little bit more on the move, mm-hmm. um, coming off a screen or just you know sliding into a shot, pump faking, um, pulling up, that type of thing. Um, so we'll see. We'll see what he can showcase and, and uh, what, the, what the response is. But he told me he hasn't – he's tried his hardest to just live in the moment and not 
project ahead yeah. of, okay, well, if this happens, then I'll try this, yeah. or if this goes this way. That, Which that, is hard in that position. Mm-hmm. That's Very really hard. hard. And, and he admitted that it isn't. He's like, I, I think he said at one point, he's like, I wish that I could just tell you what I was going to do right now. <laughs> right. I wish I knew, but I yeah. don't. Yeah. And so I think he's trying to keep an open mind. He's a very sort of upbeat, fun-loving individual. Um, so I think um, he's willing to learn, willing to kind of see what other people think of him, mm-hmm. and then he'll make a determination in a couple weeks. Sure. So we'll see. Yeah. You off to vacation? Yeah. I am. As soon as Friday. the day ends. Friday. Friday? Oh, Friday. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. I mean. Good for you, man. Yeah. Enjoy it. Thanks. Going fishing and going to Nashville. And Ooh, like then it. going to Arkansas. Doing a lot. I've never taken a vacation longer than like four days. So this is going to mm. be very weird. Yeah, yeah. So it, it, it begins feeling weird after like three, day three or day four. I think, I think so, much, so, I, so do you delete Twitter off your phone when you're on vacation? No. You don't? No, no. So I do. So I just take I just take the app off. Oh, wow. Now, how many times I re-download it <laughs> is a different question. Or or log on to twitter.com via the browser. <laughs> via the browser, yeah. yeah, yeah. But like it is a, and this is a this is a conversation with my wife too of just like just for, just forget it. Don't mm-hmm. even go because then like you even get in the habit of like all right, you know you're doing whatever and you're like oh, I'll check it during lunch or whatever just to see what's going on in the world. And then you're in a portal and you're in a hole and then mm-hmm. you're like oh this is just like work. Yep. So I'm just gonna. I throw like my it. phone in the ocean. I like it. Yeah. All right. We we'll be back at some point. Some point next month, I'd imagine. Yeah. Um. There'll there'll be some certainly some personnel. I mean, we talked about Isaiah Roby and Martin Crumple a lot. So those decisions will be finalized at yeah. some point, and then rosters practice. Creighton's doing this thing in the off season, uh, going on a foreign tour. So, so is Nebraska. No. Oh, okay. Yeah, they're going to Italy. So they're going to get some practices in probably July ish. Um, but there will be some, there'll be enough to talk about in, in the college basketball world. John Beeline left the game. Yeah, forgot to mention that. What's that all? They're about? talking about uh, changing the three point line. Yeah, so we'll which see. is probably coming, don't you think? Mm-hmm. I mean, you look at how many threes are taken every year. I mean, I don't think that's going to like regulate it, but I think if you move back a couple inches, it's probably okay. It might benefit teams like Nebraska and Creighton that are, are that are kind of built to shoot. Yeah. And that's they have a roster full of shooters. They're confident in their shooters. So yeah. um, the cream rises to the tops, yeah. so to speak. And maybe teams like that. I'd be that, okay with it. That's one rule change I'd be really okay with. They say it's going to space the floor a little bit more, and yeah. and you know maybe make teams a little bit less reliant on the three. But and maybe decrease the sort of you know how sometimes you'll have a game where a team that is not good from three, yeah, just bangs in like eleven of twenty two or something, yeah. and you're like. What? That that was totally yeah. uncharacteristic. How that I feel like Syracuse did that a couple times in yeah. games. So maybe that that type of game doesn't happen as much. Yeah, but those types of games are funny because you're like, well, this team shoots twenty eight percent from three, but they're nine of nine. Interesting. <laughs> right. Okay, exactly. And then everyone's like, well, what's wrong with their three point defense? Yeah. Like, there's nothing. Nah, it's just, just they showed they, up and decided they were going right, to make everything. It doesn't make yeah. sense, and that's basketball. But we'll have plenty to talk about. Chris, thanks for your time. Yeah, enjoy the vacay. Thank you. Um, We'll be back very soon. Thanks for listening.